Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through 34, the feeding of 5,000, and Jesus walks on water. Before we get started today, I have a correction from a few weeks ago. I gave you all the measurements for making dough with yeast with flour by saying one teaspoon of yeast per one cup of flour. And while that measurement is correct today, it would not have been correct in the time of Jesus. I was told that instead of dry yeast back then, they instead used wet yeast that was found most often in the bottom of a basket from the last batch of dough, which would make it impossible to measure out more yeast which just further emphasizes the parable that Jesus told us, that a little bit of yeast wouldn't go to make 60 pounds of dough. So the interpretation was correct, but my measurement was incorrect because it would not have been dry yeast that was in the flour, but instead wet yeast most likely left over from the last basket. Our prayer request this week comes from a listener who had a small fire in part of their church, It did not burn a significant amount, but did burn a good portion of one room. So please keep this listener in your prayers. Today, I am drinking Knob Creek Small Batch on the rocks. It's a nice sippable bourbon, a nice go-to for an evening like this. Now let's start with a prayer. Almighty God, you are a powerful miracle worker. Through your Son, Jesus, you have shown many mighty signs, But we know that there is more to Christ than just miracles, because the miracles merely point us toward something greater to come. Allow us in this study to see the greater that is to come. Allow this not to be the best part of our day, but merely a building block to something better to come. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and break this reading up into two sections since it's a bit longer. I'll talk first about the feeding of 5,000 and then about Jesus walking on water. From Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through 20. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowd followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. Matthew chapter 14 verses 13 through 20.
So when we read about these miraculous signs of Jesus, we sometimes fall into the trap of seeing Jesus as a superhero. Because in some ways, that's how Jesus is presented to us. I mean, the first Bible that I ever owned was, as a child, the superhero Bible that described different people in the biblical narrative as superheroes. It was something I was given as a boy because my grandparents and parents hoped I would connect with it, seeing David as like Iron Man and Jesus as Superman. And while it's fine to engage a child with this sort of understanding of Scripture, I think Paul tells us that as we are infants, we are to be fed milk, but eventually we should move on to solid food. Eventually, we should see David and Jesus not as Iron Man or Superman, but as who they are. Because while it is true that Jesus was quite powerful, His power was not his defining characteristic. And if you look at this passage, you might think that it's simply about the miracle of making more food. But there's a lot more to it. Not just what he did, but why. I mean, look at our scripture here. It gives a lot of details about what Jesus did before He made more food, and what happened after. But it tells us very little about the actual process. I mean, how did Jesus make more food? We don't know. Some people believe Jesus made the loaves and fish out of thin air, just on the spot. Others, out of rocks, as it is described earlier in the book of Matthew, While other people believe that the miracle that Jesus performed here was not a physical one, uh, but instead he convinced people to give from what they already had on them, maybe loaves and fish that they had been hoarding for themselves, that they had removed from their private stores something that can be offered to the community. All of these could be true. Uh, We don't know. And that's on purpose. The passage is about Jesus, not the miracle. It starts with Jesus not wanting to teach. Jesus withdrew to find a solitary place. He didn't want to have the crowd follow him. But when they did, he had compassion on them. He healed their sick and taught them. Now, the disciples saw that it was getting late and probably understood that Jesus didn't really want to teach. So they had compassion on him and told him that he should send the people away so they can get some food. Whether it was for the crowd's sake or Jesus' sake, we don't know. But that makes sense. I was once at a church revival out in a very rural setting, and Often, at these sort of revivals, they have a meal afterwards, because there isn't any restaurants nearby. But for whatever reason, this church did not have one. And it was getting late. I was hungry, and I knew I'd have about a 30-minute drive before I could get to any sort of fast food restaurant. And the preacher, who was finishing up, just kept going on and on and on. And I was ready to leave. Now, I felt the spirit leave when my stomach emptied up 
hours ago. And maybe that's what the disciples were worrying about. They were looking out for the crowd, or they were looking out for Jesus. They knew that hungry people wouldn't listen as attentively. There's no reason to imagine what they said was necessarily wrong. But Jesus wanted to show them something. So he told them that they should feed the people who came, should offer them something to satisfy their hunger. To which they answered that they only have five loaves and two fishes. It's a famous line. In fact, my church is having a fundraiser for the Five Loaves Cafe in Ethiopia, a cafe that feeds hungry people in Ethiopia. It is a common phrase people use to talk about the multiplying power of Jesus, that five loaves could miraculously feed 5,000 people. But there's something symbolic about those numbers, because numbers in the Bible almost always have some symbolic meaning. We have five loaves which feed 5,000. It's a a 1,000% increase. It shows us that there is something miraculous about the Spirit. And we're reminded about bread, what bread means. Back in the beginning of Matthew, we heard about Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. He was given stones, and the devil said, If you are hungry, why don't you turn these stones to bread? Do you remember what Jesus said to the devil when he asked that question? How did Jesus respond when the devil asked him to turn these stones to bread? He said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man does not live on bread alone. This miracle is reaffirming that statement. If you are more concerned about food than your spiritual health, then you are not doing it right. At that revival, I shouldn't have been so focused on making it out to a fast food restaurant. I should have been focused on the revival. Uh, Food is not important. That physical hunger is nothing compared to a spiritual hunger. The miracle here isn't about the superpowers of Jesus. It's not about making food when there is none. It's about the physical Versus the spiritual. And it wraps around, too, to the Last Supper, where Jesus once again shared bread. He broke the bread and said, This is not bread, but my body, broken for you. This bread was not made of stone. It was not made of flour or yeast or dough. It was made by the Spirit. And in the body of Christ, there's always more. In many ways, the feeding of the 5,000 
is quite similar to Jesus walking on water. They come one after another in our gospel. And there's a reason for it. Because again, people see it as a super powerful Jesus, when in reality we should look not at the action, but the meaning. From Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 36. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone, and the boat was already considerable distance from land, shaken by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come! he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Matthew, chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. So, this scripture immediately follows the one we read before. So it shows Jesus dismissing the disciples before he dismisses the crowd. He told the disciples not to stick around, to head on, to get out, and then Jesus had this private time with the crowd. I I often wonder if he made fun of the disciples then, right? He said, oh, they got little faith, but here I am with you. Uh, We are the people of the faith here. We, We knew that we would have enough food. But that probably didn't happen. But for whatever reason, the disciples are sent away. Jesus then talks and dismisses the crowd. And then he leaves to go pray on his own. He got that quiet time he was looking forward to. But as the night came, a storm picked up. And the disciples were on this boat out in the middle of the lake. And they were frightened. But then... Even as the waves and the wind are swirling around, Jesus walks on water. And they see him and believe that he is a ghost. They just saw Jesus perform another miracle, right? All throughout the Bible, Jesus has been performing these miraculous tasks. But here they are on a boat with some wind and they are afraid. They don't trust in Jesus. They don't trust in God. They don't have faith. But then uh, Jesus calls out to them in their state of fear, and he repeats 
a famous line. Jesus doesn't say, it is I, Jesus. He says, don't be afraid, it is I. Uh, Referencing back to Moses when he spoke to the burning bush and God replied, I am that I am. Jesus, too, is saying that he is I. Peter, catching on that this is I, says, Lord, if I walk out of this boat, give me the faith to walk on water. It doesn't matter that it is stormy. It doesn't matter that it is windy. He walks out on water to Jesus, and it is safe for him. But then, in a moment of doubt, as he sees the water swirling around him, he looks down and begins to sink. And he falls. Walking on water is not the point of this miracle. The symbolism behind what happens is. Most of you will not walk on water. In fact, if you do, please let me know. But the world will crash around you. It'll feel as if you are walking out on some stormy seas, as if the abyss is all around you. But as long as you are walking toward your creator and your savior, that I am, you will not sink. It's only when you look around at the worldly things beneath the surface that you begin to fall. Uh, But even then, if you reach out for your Savior, he will be there not to chastise you for looking down or for your lack of faith, but to pull you up, to be that helping hand. Afterwards, the storm disappears. Uh, Peter is there safe with Jesus on the boat. He is with the I am. Jesus walked on water to show us an important aspect of our faith. It's not about the miracle. It's about the teaching, the passage. So, in both of these cases, the miracle itself is not as important as what it means. If it wasn't for the meaning behind the miracle, then the miracle itself just wouldn't be important. We learn from Jesus, not because he is a superhero, but because he is the I Am. His teachings unlock something that no human would be able to understand if it wasn't for him. He shows us the abundance of the Spirit, how there is always enough in the body of Christ, that the spiritual bread we share is for us all and does not need to be hoarded. And likewise, he shows us that we can walk on stormy seas as long as we are walking toward him. And even if we look down and fall, he will be there to pick us up. The miracles may have been physical, but they were spiritual too.
As always, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please reach out to me at bourbonperiodbible at gmail.com. While it is true that Jesus drank wine in occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone. Mm-hmm.